Hey everyone, and welcome to Questions. I'm here with Pastor Joel. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Good awesome. We have a, a question from Bill. He says, what is the church's role in caring for the poor? What is the church's role in caring for the poor? Well, that's uh, a great question. There are a lot of different opinions on this, um, and uh, it can be a little bit controversial, uh, depending who you're talking to and how strongly they feel about this. Um, but but I do believe the Word of God has some uh, really clear and specific things to say. And so um, I don't assume that you, Bill, or anyone else listening to this will necessarily agree with all that I'm going to say on this particular question. Um but I, I hope that you at least prayerfully consider it and that you examine uh, the scriptures that I'm going to use in specific on this topic uh, with the scripture as a whole and that you actually wrestle uh, with the answer I'm going to provide from the Bible um, because I, I think it's I, I think there's a lot of validity to um, this one particular text. All right. So here's the text. Um, this is First Timothy chapter five. Uh, really, the whole text would be verses 3, 1 Timothy 5, verse 3 through 16. Um, but we're going to go ahead for the sake of time and limit our focus on verses 3, 4, and 5, and then uh, verse 16 uh, in isolation. So uh, verses 3, 4, and 5. Again, this is 1 Timothy chapter 5, beginning in verse 3. The Bible says this, Honor widows who are truly widows. There's a lot there. We'll come back. We'll unpack it in just a moment. Honor widows who are truly widows. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and make some return to their parents. For this is pleasing in the sight of God. She who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. So, the first thing that we find in this biblical text is that the emphasis for the church's mandate to care for the poor is placed on genuine need. Think about that, right? Honor widows who are truly widows. Now that word honor, just to take a moment here, um, it, it really conveys uh, at least two meanings. And so we have to kind of explore the context uh, whenever we find that word, specific word arise in biblical text. And so the word honor, it can, um, it can mean, it can convey uh, the idea of rendering um, payment to a specific party or individual. Uh, and it also, of course, uh, can uh, convey rendering respect or esteem to a particular party or individual. So, uh, for instance, like First Timothy chapter 5, uh, verse 17, the very next text that we're not going to look at, uh, it, it speaks of honoring elders. And in that particular text, it's not speaking of elders as um, those aged saints in the church, elderly individuals, older individuals, but rather elders being pastors or overseers, bishops in the church, the, the church's uh, leaders. And so the Bible says to honor um, a church's leaders, their, their elders or pastors. And in that context, it actually does speak of um, rendering to them a wage because the Apostle Paul, he cites as a reference, um, an Old Testament text that says, do not muzzle the ox while it treads out the grain, but rather the worker is deserving of the wages. So honor elders worker deserving of wages. So so what is honor? 
in that particular context? Well, it's wages. And so there's a sense in which honor, it, it, it can convey in the scripture um, payment, an actual financial uh, rendering of payment to an individual or a party. Um, but it also can uh, convey a sense of esteem, uh, a sense of simply respecting someone. And so in this context, First Timothy chapter 5, verse 3, I think that the word honor, given the context, um, I think it conveys both esteem, respect, uh, and rendering a payment. But if there's any primary emphasis, I think esteem would be secondary. Um, payment, financial assistance, and support would be primary, undoubtedly, because the whole weight of the text is about meeting the physical, material, financial needs of widows. And so honor widows who are truly widows. Well, the Bible is saying, um, pay them financially. The church has a mandate, has a requirement to financially assist um, those who are in need. But but notice, this just, I think it, it really, this is where it gets controversial. It goes against so much of our culture today and, and so much of the church's culture as well. Um, what the Bible is saying is that we should financially be charitable and generous and supportive uh, towards those who are truly poor. So first characteristic, widows. The Bible is not saying, hey, go and give money to a 24-year-old single male who is able-bodied and is just deliberately choosing not to work. See, the Bible actually would have a, a, a different text for an individual such as that. Uh, the text that I would be thinking of is where Paul says, if a man is not willing to work, let him not eat. So there are some individuals who are poor, and the Bible would say, let them starve. Right? And then there are other individuals who are poor, and the Bible would command the church to come to their aid. So, so what's the determinative factor right, between one individual who is financially poor, and the Bible says, let them not eat, and another individual who is financially poor, and the Bible would say that the church should financially assist them? Well, well the determinative factor, I think, is, is their ability to help themselves. Honor widows who are truly widows. And then we go on in the text and we begin to get a definition, a description at least, of, of what constitutes a true widow. It says, but if a widow has children, verse 4 now, or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and make a return to their parents. So if, if, a, if a woman is a widow, meaning her husband is deceased, yet she has children or grandchildren, she's a widow. In, in, in the broadest sense of the term, she is a widow, her husband is deceased, and yet she is not, according to verse 3, truly a widow. She's not a, a true widow because why? She has members of her household, not her husband, he's deceased, but she has other members of her household, namely her children and grandchildren, who can come to her aid, and therefore they should. Right? And then we see verse 5, it goes further, just describing a true widow. It says, she who is truly a widow, comma, left all alone, comma, has set her hope on God. Right? So, so who is, is the woman who is truly a widow? A woman who is left all alone. So there are widows, 
All widows are, are simply a woman, typically an elderly woman, whose husband has deceased. But but a woman who is truly a widow, and, and the biblical sense of, of that term, true widow, is someone who not only is her husband deceased, but she is left all alone, right? She doesn't have children or grandchildren, or uh, perhaps they've died also. I think of Naomi, right? So, so the book of Ruth in the Old Testament, uh, Naomi didn't just lose her husband, but she lost both of her sons. So her husband and both of her boys died, and she was truly destitute. And um, to her, her great gain, she had a, a, a godly daughter-in-law, namely Ruth, uh, who chose to care for her. And you know, Ruth says, your people will be my people, your God will be my God. She goes with her and returns to the people of God, the people of Israel, and she begins to work, gleaning in the fields of, uh, little does she know at the time, but the fields of Boaz. And, and she's able to gain a harvest and help provide, financially assist, um, the needs of her mother-in-law. So a true widow is someone who who is completely alone. Not just a deceased husband, but but her sons are gone, her daughter-in-laws are gone. She doesn't have sons. She doesn't have even a daughter-in-law like Ruth. She has no one but the people of God. Her only family is not biological. Her only family is, in fact, the church. And therefore, the only family she has, the church, they have a responsibility under God to care for this for this woman. And so when it comes to the church caring for the poor, I would say, to answer the question, Bill, I would say first, that the first thing I think the Bible requires of us is, is that we make righteous judgments, that we use wise discernment. Uh, should the church care for the poor? Absolutely. But here's the first question I think we have to ask, and we have to let the Bible be the standard for answering this question. Who is the poor? Who's the poor? And the reality is there's a lot of people in our nation right now uh, who would claim to be poor, but biblically speaking, um, they don't actually qualify, right? There was, number one, um, there, there are many individuals, not always, um, but there are many individuals who, who would abuse certain systems of financial aid who actually are able-bodied actually could provide for their own needs if they were willing to do so. The church has no obligation to financially assist an individual that would fit that description. There are other people who are unable to meet their own needs, but they have certain biological family members. Not, not the church, but first looking to the household, the family. Uh, they have family members who who could, and according to Scripture, should meet their needs. So let's look at verse 16 now, final verse. Verse 16 says this, If any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Make, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened so that the church can just be comfortable and have an excess of financial wealth. No. Let the church not be burdened so that it may care for those who are, here's the phrase again, truly widows. Right? So that the church has an obligation, a command from God to be exercising careful, wise discernment to ensure that it does not help some who are poor because they can and should gain help through another avenue, so that it precisely so that it can help those who have no other hope. 
their hope is set on God. They're left all alone. The church is all they have. So how does the church care for the poor? First, the church has to answer a very difficult question, especially in our culture today. Who is the poor? We got to do the hard work of looking and saying, is this person able to meet their own needs and, and simply just being irresponsible and lazy? Also, does this person have certain family members that, that perhaps the pastors of that church should reach out to their sons? And, and I mean, this is pretty countercultural for the time. I mean, this is 2000 years ago, right? This is Paul. And, and he's saying in verse 16, even, even if a widow has, um, has daughters or granddaughters, Right, because you would think certainly a man would have that responsibility to care for the members of his household. Um, certainly, um, a son, right, or a grandson. But Paul says, if a believing woman has any relatives that are widows, even she, a woman, and, and this is first century where women it was difficult for them to find work. But he's saying, even even a widow who has a daughter or a granddaughter. Um, who is able-bodied, they should seek, just like Ruth did for Naomi, they should seek to meet the needs of, of this widow uh, who is a relative of theirs so that the church would not be burdened, not simply so that the church can be comfortable, but so that the church can assist those who need the help the most. So how does the church care for the poor? Well, I think it has to start with the church exercising careful discernment to answer such a difficult question in our culture today. Who actually is the poor? And I'll just say this, and I'll leave it there. Um, but according to the Bible, the poor are not necessarily just anyone and everyone who can weave together a, a sob story, a, a victim narrative on social media, and, and demand that everybody else is oppressing them. There are a lot of people in our culture today that like to play the victim card that like to claim that they're being oppressed, that according to a biblical righteous standard, um, they really are, God in his mercy has given them certain family members. He, he perhaps has made them able-bodied and, uh, and they should be seeking to provide for those needs, not through the church, but by themselves or with their family members. So um, it, it's just important for us to realize that God has instituted the civil magistrate, the state, government. He's instituted the church and he's also instituted the family. I think part of the problem in our culture today is that, that um, when it comes to poverty, when it comes to the poor, it, it is clear from this text and many others in the scripture that the first sphere that God has instituted that's responsible for provision, for meeting physical needs, financial assistance, is not the government. And, and it's not actually even the church. It's the family. It's the household. That's that's the emphasis in this text. That the widow, the first party that should be looking to meet her needs, it's her family. Does she have sons? Does she have grandsons? Does she have daughters? Does she have granddaughters? Let them meet her needs. Mm -hmm. But if she's left all alone, she's a true widow, right? The family is absent for whatever reason, then it goes to the church. Mm -hmm. And the one sphere out of those three spheres that God has instituted, the one sphere that that, that financial provision caring for the poor that it, it, it never falls on, it's actually the state. The state, under God's commands for the state, God's jurisdiction has no business actually meeting the needs of the poor. In fact, I would argue, this is where it gets very controversial, but I would argue that the state has actually done a great injustice to many households, many families, by incentivizing, especially men, 
that, that they could abandon their wives and children without consequence because Uncle Sam will come in and be a father to your kids so that you don't have to be. And I think the church, if we're not careful, we can actually do the same thing. Mm-hmm. So that would be my answer, Bill. I hope that that's not too controversial. I hope that uh, that you would at least give it some prayerful uh, consideration. So, Well, thank you, Pastor Joel. Yeah, and then once again, thanks, Bill, for sending in that question. If you have any questions that you'd like answered on a next episode of questions, write us on whatever platform you're watching us on, whether it's Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, or our website at rightresponseministries.com. We'd love to answer those on a future episode. We'll see you next time. As a special thank you for your gift of any amount, we'll be happy to send you a free digital book from our store. To access this offer, visit rightresponseministries.com offer. We highly recommend Pastor Joel's book, Am I Truly Saved? If you or someone you know has wrestled with doubts about the love of God, this would be a great resource. As a reminder, to get this offer, go to rightresponseministries.com offer. And thank you for your generous support.